I struggle with prayer. Don't judge. Just being honest, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that I have the gift, the spiritual gift of intercession. I just struggle with prayer. After all these years, it still just doesn't come natural to me. I'm not even sure that I like prayer. Now, I like God, don't get me wrong, and I love to communicate with Him, but it, it, prayer can be tough. I've had seasons in my life where I got so frustrated because my prayers weren't getting answered. And and maybe, anybody been there before where you, you just, yeah, I, I was praying that my parents would be healed um, at different times when they were really sick and they didn't get healed, and then I'd pray that... God would take them quickly because there was there was literally no no hope at all, and um, and he, and he didn't at least in my mind, he didn't take them as quick and and it, I guess my question is, is it possible that I have been praying wrong all that time? Is it possible? Is it possible that all of us have been praying wrong all these years? Now, I realize that some people don't pray at all, and, and that's fine. I, I get that. Uh, most won't admit to it, but they just don't. And, and even though they've been told that all prayer is is just talking to God, they, they still don't pray. And that, I understand that. And others will pray at mealtime, and others will pray at bedtime, especially if you have kids. Bedtime prayers are, are a good way to pray with our, our kids. And, and some people have very regimented prayers, and they pray at the exact same time and the exact same amount of time every single day, very regimented. And I'm nobody really to tell you that you're doing it wrong or doing it right. But Jesus said in Matthew 6, and if you have your Bibles, you'll want to turn there because we're going to spend a lot of time there. Your phones, you can open those up. Jesus said in Matthew 6 that many of us are probably not doing it right. Matthew 6, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And so the disciples were good little Jewish boys. They grew up praying. They, they knew how to pray, but they were watching Jesus, and they were thinking, you know what? I don't know if we're doing this thing right. Jesus prays differently than, than we've prayed. So they asked Jesus a question in Luke chapter 1. You don't have to turn there, but it says this on the screen. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. But Jesus didn't say, well, why do you want me to teach you to pray? Praying is just talking to God. No, Jesus said, all right, I'll teach you. Apparently, and this could be your message in a tweet or your sermon in a sentence, Jesus is saying there's more to praying than just talking to God. Effective prayers are more than just the hustle and bustle on the fly kind of prayers. It's more than just help me, protect me, guide me, give me, give me, give me. God, help me pass this quiz. God, help me find a parking space. The first priority, according to this, Jesus says, is where to pray. Can't you just pray anywhere? Well, sure you can. I encourage it. But if you want to pray as Jesus taught, and you want to be really effective, then location is important. 
And that place is in your room with the door closed wherever that room might be. Because it's here that you can go beyond where you've ever been. It's here where you go from the seen to the unseen. It's here where you move beyond wording and into meaning. And we're going to get there, I promise. And this is where we move beyond needs and into relationship. And that sort of relationship happens best behind a closed door. Jesus said, when you really get to know me behind a closed door, then you'll truly get rewarded. Prayer is the context where God becomes our heavenly father and our friend. It's a relationship. And many of us, particularly guys, because I'm, I'm a guy, and we, we struggle in this, this intimacy part, this relationship part. But the whole thing behind a closed door gets a lot more personal and a lot more intimate. In Matthew 6, Jesus continues on and he gives us the familiar Lord's Prayer that we've heard of and he teaches us to don't spend a lot of time, particularly on the front end, about your wants and needs and wishes. Jesus says, basically, I already know all about that. Did you ever think about that? He already knows all this stuff. He knows all of our needs. He knows all of our wants. But we're thinking, listen, if I don't talk to God about my needs, what am I going to talk about? And why would I need to go into a room and close the door? Verse 9 of Matthew 6. This then is how you should pray. Now, what you need to understand is he is not setting up the exact verbatim prayer that you are supposed to pray, even though all of us have done it. Sports places, they they do it too, the kids playing sports. Jesus quotes a very similar prayer in Luke chapter 11, but he doesn't use the exact same language. And if it was supposed to be exactly the same, he would probably have said it exactly the same. It's more of a template where we find, and I put this, this is, this is, I'm not always a, a note encourager, I think you should. Today, I want to really, really challenge you, because you may not need this now, but you will later. The stuff I've got, I, I borrowed, borrowed this message from Andy Stanley, and uh, it's really good content. So I'm going to encourage you to get out some notes or open up your phone to, to some notes and to take some notes. He's giving us three critical ingredients, Jesus is, to pray about and the order to pray them. And when we follow this formula or this template or this whatever you want to call it, prayer is often different than we've experienced it before. Scott Matthews read my message before. I always give my message ahead of time so they can critique it and see if I messed anything up. And he goes, this changed my prayer life Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I guess he didn't pray today. I don't know. But, uh... <laughs> so I'm going to encourage you to take some notes. The first ingredient to effective prayer is that we got to declare God's greatness. And we can all do that, right? We can say God is great. God is great. One, two, three. Yeah, he's great. God's great. He's his goodness. Matthew 6, 9. Our Father in heaven. Jesus is teaching his disciples. This is, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Or depending on what school you went to, hallowed be your name. Jesus says when you pray, no matter what kind of rut you might be in, no matter how many needs you may have or how desperate you are, don't start with you. This is key. Jesus says, I want you to start with me. I want you to start with your heavenly father. I want you to fully recognize who it is that you're talking to. If you want to pray effectively, they decide these little Jewish boys are going, hey, I want to, I want to pray. Well, not little, but I want to pray effectively. Teach us. All right, I'll teach you. Here's how you do it. Don't start with you. Hallowed, to be honored, to be surrendered. And the more time that you spend recognizing and embracing 
who it is that you're talking to, the less concerned. You'll still be concerned, but the less concerned you'll be about all the issues that you want resolved. And the more confidence you'll have, listen, the more confidence you'll have that the God who you're talking to and how great he is can handle whatever issues you're going through. It starts with him because that puts perspective on everything else. Don't rush to you and your needs. I'd venture to guess that many of us don't spend an enormous amount of time here. I know I typically pray, Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you've given me. Now, we've got some things I want to talk about. i got some needs. And God says, that's great, but it's, there's more to it than that. Jesus says, okay, once you're in the room and you've got the door closed, and you're not worried about how, what you're going to say or how long you're going to be in there or your wants and your needs, Stay on the subject of my hallowedness, of my greatness, of my supremacy. Stay there long enough for that to sink in, that you're talking to the God of the universe. That helps put perspectives on your relationships. It helps put perspective on your work, on your kids, on your parents, on your school, on your troubles. And maybe it's a few minutes. Maybe it's a few hours. But let it sink in who you're talking to, because to the degree that we allow his greatness to sink in, it will affect every other facet of our prayer life and how we live our lives. To the degree that we lock in on his greatness, and that sinks in of how great God is, to that degree, it'll change every other aspect of our prayer life and our lives. He's teaching them, this is how you pray. If you want to pray effectively, you just talk to God, talk anywhere you want, all, just pray all the time. But if you really want to pray effectively, Jesus is telling them. And then he gives us the hard part. And this is where a lot of us want to bail on prayer. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, before we start to ask for our prayer request and to get some answers, the second ingredient, and you can put this in your notes, is to surrender your will. Your kingdom stuff, God, not my kingdom. I'm surrendering all of me to all of you. Your agenda ahead of my agenda. Your deal ahead of my deal. In my marriage, in my finances, in my career, or even if I ever get married, or if I ever get married again, your agenda for my business, your agenda, God, for my investments, your agenda for my future. No matter what, God, I want you to know your deal is greater than my deal. That's surrendering your will on earth, in my world, in my sphere of influence. Because when I can do that and I can surrender all my stuff to him, that puts me in alignment with God. We've heard, you just pray anything you want and you'll get it as a Christian. That, that's true. You'll, you'll, that'll happen once you recognize who it is you're talking to and you surrender your will to his will. And then we stay on this second ingredient until we're 100% surrendered to God. This is huge. This is life-changing. I'm giving you gold. Well, Andy Stanley is through me. And probably something that many of us have never done. I, I've... I've had a lot of times where I prayed and tried to surrender my will. And one of the times was when, uh, when we were in Missouri. I had my first full-time ministry. I was still in Bible college. 
Um, but then I took a full-time ministry out of the college, and we bought a, we were in Missouri, Rolla, Missouri, bought a brand-new mobile home. I think it was 16 feet wide, 80 foot long, about the biggest one you can get that's a single wide. It was amazing. It was brand new. We kept that $15 furniture, you know, that they, they just stage it with. We kept it for, like, years. Everybody kept sitting in the chairs, and they'd break, and we'd throw out one and just keep the other three. Um, we, it was wonderful. Uh, and I mean, literally, like, 15 years we kept that, that furniture stuck in there. So that was the best $15 that company ever made as an investment for the staged furniture that we kept. And so when we, I took a ministry in Indiana, it was the first time I'd moved, and then the only time ever I moved was to plant a church here. And so we moved to Indiana, but we had to sell our mobile home. Well, you don't just sell a mobile home like that, even as awesome as it was. And so we put it up for sale, we moved to Indiana, and now I, I was a youth pastor, not making a ton of money, and so I've got my, my rent here, and I'm still paying my mortgage on, on the mobile home. Now, granted, it was like 250 bucks. My electric bills more than that whole house payment was. But it was both coming out. And I was like, God, this is your money, and you're wasting it. <laughs> Every month, you're wasting your money. But it's yours. Everything is yours. And I wasn't very happy about it, right? There was a little attitude behind it. But hey, God, if you want to waste your money, you just go ahead. Just waste it away. And I made those payments for over a year double payments. We finally sold it, and I think I cleared about $137 or something from the, the net on that. At least we came out ahead, and I didn't have to pay somebody to take it. Too often, our prayers shift to something like, my kingdom come, and my will be done on, on earth, and I don't just forget about heaven, and, and give me today everything I want and everything that I can consume for myself, and lead me not into temptation, because I can find all the temptation by myself. Amen. We struggle with different seasons in our lives, and we churn out a couple of marriages, and we have some drastic circumstances, or some health thing happens, or whatever it is, and we find ourselves coming apart at the seams. And my guess, my guess is that if we would have prayed like Jesus is telling us to pray here, and we got those first two ingredients done, I'm guessing the seasons of our life probably wouldn't be the same, and they might not even be there. We'd have different seasons, but they wouldn't have been some of the seasons that we had. Because we weren't praying with God's greatness and our surrender to him in mind. Jesus says, spend more time declaring the greatness of who it is that you're praying to. And then the next logical thing is to tell him that his will and really submit that his will is greater than your will. And this is, this is where we say, I'm surrendering my money. I'm surrendering my marriage. I'm surrendering my kids and my house and my retirement and my very life into your hands. I want your will more than mine. Your deal is more important than my deal. One day, Jesus went to a place called Bethany where a guy by the name of Lazarus had died four days prior to that day. Jesus intentionally shows up late. Have you ever noticed that he does that? I'm not calling him a jerk, but... <laughs> He sometimes just intentionally, you know, he showed up a year late on selling my mobile home. He's just, he's just, but he shows up, it's just late. And so Jesus, right before he raises Lazarus from the dead, he prays like a 10-second prayer. In, in John 11, you can look it up later, and, and basically he says, God, I know what you're going to do, and you know what you're going to do, so let's go ahead and do it. And I'm only praying this so that everybody can see that it's you and me doing this and that you'll get glory for this. It's effective because Lazarus gets up after four days of being dead. Pretty, pretty wild. But Jesus prays in a completely different type of prayer the night before he went to the cross. 
the night before he died for our sins and he shed his blood and he took on all the sins of the world, your sin and my sin if we just put our faith in him, he prayed a different kind of prayer that night. He prayed all night. It wasn't 10 seconds and just think, hey, I know what you're going to do, you know what you're going to do. So these guys know, hey, God, Lazarus, get up. This one was all night. This was so intense that he sweat drops of blood, the pressure and the emotion that went behind it. It's because he knew that his will and God's will probably not right. They weren't matching. Because you know he was, he was going to the cross. And you might remember his prayers like, God, if there's any way out of this. I mean, imagine Jesus, our Savior. If there's any way out of this, God, I'm in. But not my will, but your will be done. God, it, it took me all night to get to this place. On my face in this garden, I stayed there until I could get to the place where I could say, Not my will, but your will be done. Totally different type of prayer. Totally different type of prayer, and a lot longer. Where you can finally get to say, whatever whatever you want to do is fine. Because I put this up on the screen. The length of our prayer isn't determined by the willingness of our God. The length of our prayer is determined by the condition of our heart. Christ had a perfect conditioned heart. And yet when faced with the struggle that he was about to go to and dying on a cross for your and my sin, it took him all night to get there. He couldn't just move on with his prayer. He couldn't just pray, hey, your will be done, not mine. No, 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 this is big. And if we're, and, and if we're not at that place where we recognize God's greatness, then we need to camp out there for a while. If we're not at the point where we can surrender every aspect of our life, then we need to stay in prayer right there until we can. And some mornings it'll be five minutes, and some mornings it it may be an hour. Some days your marriage may be a mess, and your life is unraveling, your finances are bleak, and you're full of worry, and you've still got to get to a place where you can say, God, even if things don't go back to the way that they were, and things never return to normal, you're still great. And not my will, but your will be done in this. If you can't get there, God understands that. And he says, let's just camp out here until you can. Let's wrestle over what's going on. That thing that you can't seem to release to me, let's talk about that. Because you've got to surrender in order to have an effective prayer. This is, the, this is the relationship that we have. And if you run out of time, it's okay. I'm still your heavenly father, and I love you. We'll just pick it up next, next time, tomorrow, or this evening, when we get back together and, and we pray. Because it's not the number of words, it's not the length of time, it's, it's the attitude of the heart. It's a relationship that's characterized by intimacy. Declare his greatness. Surrender your will. And then the third ingredient is to acknowledge your dependence. Acknowledge your dependence. We'll talk about three areas where you can acknowledge that we're dependent. And this is where most of us start in verse 11 of chapter 6. Give us today our daily bread. Give me, give me, give me. I mean, this is, this is a good prayer. We, we like to pray this. And this probably would have brought up a visual for the Jewish people of that day, of them crawling out of their tents in the desert and picking up this little cake-like bread stuff called manna. And it was the idea that God is providing for them every day, just enough that morning so that they can have for the rest of the day. God is the one who's providing. They are dependent on God in that desert for their food. So the first area of dependency is for our provision. 
for our provision, that God is the one who provides. And Jesus is teaching these listeners, there's going to be a time where you're not going to depend on God for your daily bread. In fact, you're going to have so much bread that other nations are going to come to buy bread from you. But don't forget, whether you have a little or whether you have a lot, it all comes from me. Everything comes from me. You're as dependent on me when you have a whole bunch as you are when you have nothing. So when you pray, you pray with dependency on God that he's going to provide what you need, no matter how much you have, because some of you have quite a bit. You're still dependent on God. You realize that could go like that. Verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So Jesus says, I want you to acknowledge your dependency on me for pardon. That's the second area, pardon, forgiveness. And we all get the big one, forgiveness of our sins, that only, only Christ has forgiven our sins by shedding his blood on that cross. So we, we recognize that. That's the only way that, that we can stay out of hell. But just as dependent as we are, listen, just as dependent as we are on God to forgive our sin, we are just dependent on him to forgive others who have sinned against us. That's why so many of us struggle with forgiveness, because we try to do it on our own power. That's why so many of us struggle with forgiving someone else because we haven't recognized God's greatness and, and our dependency on him and our surrender to his will. Because when we can get those first two down, then the forgiveness happens. It happens supernaturally. We're so dependent on God for pardon because, let's face it, some people are just unforgivable. Some of the things they've done and some of the attitudes they've had. Look at verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In other words, I need to declare my dependency on God for my protection. God, I'm asking you to protect me from sin, protect me from the evil one, protect my family, protect my marriage, protect it all, especially my heart, because I know that I'm weak in certain areas of temptation. I'm completely dependent upon you for my protection. Now, I, I believe that Christians should be some of the greatest supporters of negligee and 90s, pretty 90s, married Christians, by the way, married Christians. Um, I, I think that's a great thing, and, and you may not, and that's fine. Um, but I, it's no secret that Victoria's Secret can't be in my house, unless my wife's wearing it. But I can't get the magazine, can't be in my house, can't even be in the trash, because I will find it, and I will look at it, and I won't be thinking about my wife while I do it. One time, gosh, 15 years ago, maybe long. we were still in a mobile home, I kid you not, and, and uh, there was one time where she had a Victoria's Secret that she kept in her purse, brought it home, and we looked at stuff with her and mine side by side, and, and that worked. That, that was the only time that I've ever been able to do that, and that worked. Now, you could call me a perv, or you could say whatever, uh, but it's, it's just an area of temptation and a weakness. So I have to be protected from that, and the way we protect me from that is it can't be in the house. Just can't. If I'm an alcoholic and I struggle with drinking too much, I shouldn't have alcohol in my house. I shouldn't go to bars. If that's really a serious temptation that I always fall into, have to eliminate it. You have to do some drastic things to, to protect yourself from it. So that's what we do. It <laughs> doesn't matter how you judge me. I know that I can't have that. And it's been so long, I'm not sure I would know what to do. Like, I, I, it would be so like, shocking to have that available to me to not look at. I still don't think I could handle it. Well, that was a side note. 
point is to start with your, your prayer with God and end with you. And in the middle somewhere, you're going to get with the issues. You're going to find out who the priority is. You're going to find out whose will you're following. And what's weird is Matthew 6 just ends with that prayer. Now, some less reliable manuscripts add in a tagline to that, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. But I really don't know that, that our, our most valuable manuscripts, the most powerful ones, just ends with, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus didn't say it has to be a big, long, eloquent prayer. When the disciples asked him, Jesus, how do we pray? He said, well, listen, the place is really important. Geography, it's, it's important. But then it's the order, the priority, and the pattern. That's what's really important in prayer. When you pray, take some time to, to lock into God's greatness and recognize who it is that you're, pr- you're praying to, that you're talking to, and then be able to authentically say, your deal is more important than my deal, and be able to really mean that. And if you can't, you can't say that, then stay there until you can. If you've got nine out of ten areas of your life that you've surrendered to God, but there's that one, then that's a great place to start. That one thing in your hand that you can't give up with, you, let's wrestle with that until you can. And if you can't resolve it, then come back tomorrow and we'll talk about it again. And once you're able to surrender everything, then you declare your dependency on God for your provision. God, I need stuff. Things need to happen. For your pardon, I need forgiveness, and I've got that in Jesus, but I need to forgive some other people. And for your protection, protection from, on, in him in every way, in every element of your life. And Jesus says, that's how you pray. You want to know how to pray? That's how you pray effectively. Those are the three ingredients that will help you to be a very, very effective prayer. And it will develop your relationship to be way more intimate. You will know God like you've never known him before when you pray a prayer like that. Now, here's the deal. When we get older, we get in different stages of our life. There's more at risk. There's more to lose. It's easy in Bible college to say, oh, God, I want to give you everything I have. It's all yours. And God kind of looks down and says, you've got an eight-track player and some records and some 80s stonewashed jeans. We're like, thanks for that sacrifice, son. That's, that's really big of you. I prayed once, God, I, I want to surrender my life to you, but please don't make me go into ministry. That was the one thing I was holding on to. Like, I'll do anything. I'll do anything you want, but please don't. Just this one. God goes, let me wrestle that out of your hand, because that's where you're going. Mm. It's different when you get married. It's different when you have a big 401K. It's different when you have kids. It's different when you have a lot of debt. The question is, can you truly say, not my will, but yours be done? Before you know the outcome, you say yes to God. But before you know it's going to work, you say yes to God. You say yes to God before he gives you the directive that he wants. When you can get to that place, it's beautiful. And if it scares you, you're probably doing it right. You're probably taking it seriously. Now, there's some gals, single gals, I'm guessing, that if not now, throughout your life, you've, you've come to a place where you go, God, I, w- I want to give you everything. I'm a sold-out woman for you, but there's this guy that I'm dating, and he's so nice. He's not a Christian, and I know you don't like that, but he's so nice, and nice guys are so hard to find. Am I right, gals? And all, the, all the married ones are going, I'm not going to say anything. I wish I could have found one. (laughs) So when you find one, you want to keep him. And God's going, no, no, you know what I want for you in this. And you go, but I just just can't. And he says, okay, if that's the case, then let's stay here and let's wrestle with that for a while. Let's talk about that until you can. Could you give him up? 
There's other people that'll pray, God, I, I want you, I truly want you to have all my life, but this money thing, I mean, the church is always asking for money, and I grew up poor, and, and I worked hard for this money, and this is my money, and I don't, I don't really know, and I've tried the tithe thing, but I just, I, I, I failed in that area, and I just don't know that I can do this, and God's saying, I understand. Here's the thing. I want your entire financial portfolio. I don't just want your tithe. I want it all. Everything. It's all mine anyway. You've got to surrender it all to me. I want all access. And you might be saying, I just can't do that. I just can't give up my boyfriend. And it's, it's okay. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Listen, I'm going to let, if you're a Christian, I'm letting you in on a little secret. That thing in your hand that you can't seem to give up to God, he could take it away at any time that he wants. And the fact that he hasn't shows his graciousness and his kindness and his patience towards you. Because what that thing is doesn't represent what it is. It represents your full surrender. It represents the condition of your heart. Oh, this is good. What is that thing that you just can't, you can't let go of? And the fact that you still have it shows how good God is. He's allowed you to just keep a hold of that. He could just go, and it's gone. That boy, that college, your finances, your 401k. Who knows what's going to happen with our 401ks or lack thereof? In an instant. The major holdings you have could tank, could go bankrupt tomorrow. Something big could happen. Some big scare, some big bump, some big whatever could go off. It'd all be over. He could take it, but he hasn't. He doesn't want your money, and I guarantee he doesn't need your boyfriend. He wants you. And if he truly has you, then you'll spend money correctly. And if he truly has you in your heart, you'll choose good boyfriends. God knows that if he can get that thing, that boyfriend, that money, that college, whatever it is, out of your hand, then he can get to your heart. What would happen if we all went home today and we closed, closed our bedroom door, a closet that we went in and closed the door, and we said, God, you're great, your will, and I'm dependent on you for my provision, pardon, and protection. And then we wrestle with God along the way to whatever those two things are, a couple of things that we struggle with. I think our Heavenly Father would be honored by that. Because you're not just saying prayers. Here. You're not just saying prayers, you're pursuing a relationship. And that's a big difference. And that should be an aha moment for many of you that just haven't prayed much. When you realize what's in your hand doesn't represent what's in your hand, it represents all of you. Because it's the one thing you can't give up. Prayer is how we accomplish total surrender. The Bible calls that lordship. Prayer is a way that we do that. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Great and supreme is your name. Your will be done. It's, your deal is more important than my deal. I am so dependent on you for my provision. Everything comes from you. I'm dependent on you for my pardon and canceling my sins and helping me to forgive others. And I'm dependent on you for protecting me and my family in every way, especially from the enemy and the areas of temptation. I'm so dependent on you. That's how Jesus said we should pray. So let's pray. God, help us, help us to, to listen to your word and to listen to your son's words and what Jesus said to us about praying. And for the man or woman or teenager who's holding on to something that they know that they shouldn't, God, I pray they know they need to let it go. I pray that you would help them and strengthen them and encourage them and empower them. 
no matter how real and hard it is to do, that they would give that up? Would you give them the courage to get alone with you and close the door and have you just wrestle that thing out of their hand? And I pray that as we do this, it would surprise us. We would be amazed because we're in a different place with you as we get alone and we make our minutes count. Thank you for the opportunity to call you Father God. And between now and a couple of weeks when we meet again and take this a little bit further, I pray that you would do whatever you need to do in us and through us so that the next time that we meet, that we'll be able to take the next step to become men and women who know how to pray. And if there's somebody here who has not given their life to you, they've never made Jesus Lord, I pray today, today would be the day to do that, that this is the kind of Christ we want to follow, that it's about lordship, but it's also about about friendship and intimacy and care and provision and forgiveness and grace and the power to do what we know we can't do on our own. Help them to choose you today. In Jesus' name, amen.